It's time for the Stock Car Show on the Performance Motorsports Network. Powered by the staff at Race Chaser Online. Your motorsports, your way, every day. And now, here's your host, Tom Baker. When do you start switching gears in your mind and start getting up to speed about what's going on. Yeah, actually, I, um, I, cro- we, I didn't have time to meet up with uh, Ed um, and the people that... Oh, shit, did I just say that out loud? <laughs> I've never done that in my career. I better shut up and leave. I'm going to be in trouble. Right. <laughs> and with that, Danica Patrick told the world... Who she is going to be racing the Indy 500 for. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Stock Car Show. And we open with the Danica clip. Why? Because Danica's racing at Daytona tonight and, of course, this weekend in the 500 and also in the Indy 500. And apparently she is running the Indy 500 for Ed Carpenter Racing. So there's your big scoop for the day, Jacob Seelman. Yes, not apparently. Ed has made some comments to Fox 59 in Indianapolis, officially corroborating it, even though there's no press release on Ed Carpenter Racing yet. It's corroborated. Ed says it's happening, therefore it's happening. It's called Saving Danica's Butt. That's what that's called. Yeah. Welcome to tonight's show. We talk stock cars, but sometimes other things as well on this program. Tonight, we've got a lot going on, actually. We've got... The duels going on at Daytona, the Can-Am duels, just as we are live on the air. We are monitoring it, so we'll occasionally have some commentary and updates for you. And feel free to mute the sound on the television because they're far less interesting than we are. And just listen to the show and check out the duels. And, oh, by the way, we also have a couple of special guests, actually a trio of special guests. Justin Haley, who's always interesting, is going to be joining us a little later on in the program to talk about uh, his upcoming race on Friday night uh, and also to talk about the racing he did during the week on the dirt down in Florida with his UMP Modified We've got Willie Mullins, your second place finisher from the Lucas Oil 200 Arca Series race last weekend, going to be joining us as well. And we have the winner of that race, Michael Self. On the program a little later, Kyle Sue's going to drop by, talk about new Smyrna modifieds. We're going to talk late models at Smyrna. Going to talk all kinds of stuff here. Let me introduce the cast that's going to be doing a majority of the talking this evening. First of all, my name, Tom Baker. I am the senior editor of RaceChaserOnline.com, where we give you your motorsports your way every day, all day, joined Inside the Race City USA PMN Studios in Mooresville, North Carolina by Jacob Seelman, the managing editor of said website. Also, via the miracles of modern technology, the Race Chaser Skype line, we have both Chris Murdoch and Cisco Scaramuza, the Midwest, represented twice tonight. Both of them joining us to talk motorsports with us this evening. And of course, sliding behind the production chair very capably from the Carolina School of Broadcasting, Mr. Bill Holt. And with that, we begin the show by talking a little bit about Danica's Freudian slip because this is somewhat significant. I mean, I understand that this is a stock car show, but guys, I'll, I'll turn to Jacob first. Danica racing the Indy 500 for Ed Carpenter Racing. Actually, we'll go to Cisco here. Racing the Indy 500 for Ed Carpenter Racing is really going to be an interesting proposition because although Danica hasn't raced IndyCars in a while and she's never run 
the newer style IndyCar, Ed Carpenter's cars are capable of winning, and I think, honestly, she will have at least as good, if not a better shot at winning the the Indy 500 than she does this weekend's Daytona 500, Cisco. That's fair. I mean, we're coming into Indianapolis later in the year with a brand new aero package. It'll still be one of the first ovals they'll run in the season. So I'd have to agree. It's definitely going to be a new style. We saw the tests. Obviously, she's not going to be a part of that open testing. But when the month of May rolls around, she'll be around for pretty much everything that revolves around Indianapolis. So it would not surprise me at all for her to be on par, if not slightly uh, more more capable of winning that race than she will be in Daytona. Yeah, I would I would agree. I, I think she's actually got a reasonable shot at winning the Indy 500. Now, before you jump down my throats, all of you listening to this show, Chris, here's why I make this point. Two reasons. Number one, like I said, the equipment is definitely there. Number two, the Indy 500, unlike Daytona, I believe, is more of a race of consistency and it's a race of survival and I don't believe with all the practice time that Danica will have in the car I don't believe she's going to be unfamiliar and it's not like we haven't watched a driver like Kurt Busch who's never run an Indy car before go to Indy and be in contention for the win uh, you know Danica's experience there is very well documented I don't see any reason why she wouldn't have a reasonable chance to pull off a win in her final start. You're exactly right, Tom. You know, I don't see her winning Daytona, but, you know, it's Daytona. Anything right. can happen, and sure. that's been the the marquee ever since we've started racing at Daytona. Is It's such a wild card race. Anything can happen, and the drivers know that. But for her to go, and, and once she gets past this weekend to flip her switch to IndyCar – she's going to have a, a, a phenomenal chance at winning that race because, like you mentioned, Ed Carpenter is not a bad ride at all in the IndyCar, uh, in the IndyCar world. She, she was a little bit you know, skeptical with the downforce and all that stuff, but you know, once she gets in the car, it'll be like she's back home again where she was you know, racing IndyCar. So I, I think Indy is definitely her best shot at winning a race here this season. Yes. Uh, okay, guys, so uh, we'll see what happens with that, but I just thought that would be a, an entertaining way to start the show with that clip because it's just not something that you hear every day at Daytona Media Day. Uh, and certainly, you know, it just goes to show we're all human, right? I mean, it's uh, it's very easy to accidentally let something out that you're trying to hold back if you're, you know, answering the right question in the right particular way. So we do wish Danica good luck this weekend. And of course, in the Indy 500 that will be coming up here in a few months, we move on now. And before we get into the newswire, obviously tonight, the Can-Am duels. And as we are doing this show, the first duel is getting ready to take the green flag. Interesting lineup in this one, guys. I'm going to just uh, go around the table here just to, to give the listeners, I'm sure they can have access to this, but if you're not watching, the top six starters here, Alex Bowman, Jimmy Johnson, William Byron, Daniel Suarez, Ricky Stenhouse, and Joey Logano. Then you've got Almarola, Blaney, Kurt Busch, and Keselowski in the top ten. I'm going to start with Cisco here. Do you have a winner for this duel that would be outside the top ten and then... After you answer that question, go ahead and pick your winner. Um. Well, I had a 
I definitely had a different pick than what Chris was thinking. Outside the top 10 is certainly a possibility. Jamie McMurray on a restrictor plate racetrack is always a threat to win. However, I think duel number one is going to be won by the guy starting on pole because I get the feeling that the rest of the field is going to be a little too aggressive for their own heads. Alex Bowman starts from the front and wins. Okay, Chris, do you disagree with Cisco or are you picking the showman as well? I'm definitely not going to pick Alex Bowman, especially, you know, watching the broadcast before we got on the air. Alex Bowman isn't looking to push anything. He's looking to fall back, and that's what Jeff Gordon's predicting him to do is fall back in the pack and just take it easy. So, no, I do not pick Alex Bowman in that 88 machine to win the race. Yes, he's done a phenomenal job at keeping that car on the pole. Uh, Outside of the top 10... Uh, I, I don't think it's going to happen. I think okay. my pick's going to be starting in 10, uh, in the 10th place position, which is Brad Kozlowski. I I don't think you see a winner from outside the top 10. I mean, McMurray starting 12th, I suppose. Uh, that's But I think that's a reach. I think there's enough of the top racers here in the top 10 that uh, on restrictor plate tracks that I, I don't see that happening. And I actually agree with Cisco. I think Alex Bowman wins. I don't see him just lifting off the throttle and dropping back. If Alex Bowman can get the lead in this one, I see Bowman keeping the lead for as long as he can. Maybe if it gets too racy and he's out of the lead running third or fourth, maybe he'll drop back. But I can't see him uh, giving up an opportunity to win the duel. So I say Bowman wins the duel. Uh, but uh, the guy I would watch, honestly, is Ricky Stenhouse Jr. from the fifth starting spot if Bowman doesn't win. I think Ricky is the guy that you need to pay attention to. Uh, Jacob, you got a pick? Well, Chris called me crazy earlier when I brought this up, but I really don't <laughs> care because I've never really been one to much care what anybody else thinks of my opinions. I just kind of go with it. I have a gut feeling. I've had a gut feeling all day, and I'm going to stick with my gut feeling because I think, hope, pray, he's used up all of his crashing prior to tonight, and he's going to go out. He's going to score 10 points because let's (laughs) keep in mind these duels pay points. Oh, by the way. That's right. And JJ48-7 time is going to win duel number one. Just saying from the outside pole. Definitely not. See, si, senor. Not a stretch and to envision that. I don't believe that anybody outside the top 10 wins it. Just saying. No, I, I just, I mean, you look back, you start getting outside of the top 10. You got Newman McMurray, Bubba Wallace, Ty Dillon, Chris Buescher. I mean, I, I don't see anybody in that realm, maybe Jamie, but I just don't see anybody advancing that far. I do think these duels both are going to be relatively conservative races, I don't see guys being three wide all day. These veterans are not going to want to put their cars at risk like that. I think you'll see some action right around the 7th to 10th place area for the uh, stage points later. But I just I don't I don't see a a great, uh, you know, classic finish to either of these duels unless Two guys get away and they can settle it amongst themselves, and then I can see that happening. But I don't, I don't see it. So I'm I'm picking Alex Bowman to win the first duel, and we'll talk about the second one when it gets closer. We are going to step aside. When we come back, we talk more duels, but we've got plenty of news to get through, and we've got plenty of voices to hear from 
You will first hear from J.J. Haley coming up in just a little while, and uh, we'll talk about him a little bit before um, we get him on for his interview at the bottom of the hour. You're listening to the Stock Car Show, and it's presented by our friends from HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety, exclusively on the Performance Motorsports Network. Hi, I'm Danica Patrick. Watching my nieces grow, play, and learn is amazing, but not every child gets to be carefree. One in six kids in the U.S. are hungry. This breaks my heart, and it's something that Feeding America is working to change. Each year, the Feeding America network of food banks rescues billions of pounds of good food that would have gone to waste and gives it to families in need. To help, visit feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Open road, here comes the Hefley family. You've packed the smartphones, headphones, tablets, water snacks, coolers, sunscreen, bikes, skateboards, games, videos, sunglasses. There's no room for people in here. Just don't wimp out on the most important thing. Deep Deep fried butter on a stick. No, seatbelts. Whether it's a long haul or short trip. It's a win-win situation. Never give up until they buckle up. Visit safercar.gov slash kidsbuckleup for more information. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. You own a performance car and you know how to drive, but you want to learn real performance driving. Well, Bunky, get that car off the street and onto the track. Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier road racing facility, located just over an hour from D.C. in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, is the place to go. And you'll find that Friday at the track is going to give you what you need. For less than a monthly car payment, you can attend this regularly scheduled one-day instructional event in your streetcar on one of Summit Point's three world-class road racing circuits. You'll receive classroom instruction, skid pad instruction in their cars, including front and rear skid control, and four 20-minute in-your-car instructional sessions from a professional instructor. Have fun, go fast, and really learn how to drive. Call 304-725-8444 for class schedules and details. That's 304-725-8444. Friday at the track at Summit Point Motorsports Park. How would you like to perform for one of the best car care centers in the nation? Lewis Meineke is now looking for skilled automotive technicians to join their award-winning team. Offering a highly competitive compensation plan with great benefits, a flexible schedule, and a signing bonus to the right candidate. Now, you must be ASE certified, and a minimum of six years' experience is preferred. Act fast. Don't miss out on this incredible, rare opportunity. Call Tim at 302-827-2054. Hi, I'm John Holloman, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Now back to the show. Welcome back to the Stock Car Show here on the Performance Motorsports Network. Tom Baker, Jacob Seelman, Cisco Scaramuza, Chris Murdoch, and Bill Holt behind the glass doing the production very capably and keeping an eye on the first of the two Can-Am duels. A lot of, uh, lot of interesting things that we could get into in terms of conversation about this first race, but... I think I'm going to let this uh, get started and, and we'll run a few laps first and then we can come back and revisit it. I want to start uh, with a Newswire item that I kind of uh, found to be interesting over the course of the last couple of days. It, it, it isn't so much that we didn't expect it because the rumor's been out there for a while, but we got the official word, guys, that 
Front Row Joe, Joe Nemechek, going to be back behind the wheel for the Xfinity race on Saturday. He's going to be driving the 15 for JD Motorsports. Now, I don't think this is interesting because I necessarily give him a tremendous chance to win, although much like on Sunday, if you start the Xfinity race, you can certainly have a shot at it. But I find this interesting because this is not something that's really... I say necessary for Joe in the sense of it isn't as though he's doing something for John Hunter's benefit or whatever. This is something he's choosing to do. And I my understanding of this is that it is not a starting park. This is actually you know going to be a full race effort. Um, Cisco, I think it's cool to see Joe Nemechek back in a car. I think it's even cooler that it's for JD Motorsports because Johnny Davis is one of the longest tenured car owners in all of NASCAR. And, you know, Joe Nemechek is one of the longest tenured racers at this point, even though he's not full time anymore. But I I just think this is a neat combination and something that we used to see a lot in the Xfinity series back in the day. We don't see it happening too much anymore. You know, Joe didn't buy this ride. He's a veteran. They're putting him in there because they want him to run it. And I I really hope he gets a decent finish out of this. Yeah, and this isn't going to be Joe's first time running for JD Motorsports. He said as much in his interview. He's run a couple races for them in the past. But he's running this because, you know, Johnny Davis thinks that he can win. And, you know, Joe Nemechek going out there in that car, I think – I mean, you know, it's Daytona. It's the sure. uh, the great equalizer, as they say, the draft. Yep. So I, it would not surprise me at all to see front row Joe up at the front row on Saturday. Well, Chris, I actually I think the interesting part of this for me is that when I look at what this could do for the rest of the J.D. Motorsports effort, keep in mind that you've got Garrett Smithley in the zero who has raised the restrictor plate tracks a fair number of times. Uh, but, you know, you and, and you've got uh, Vinny Miller in the 01. I don't know what, how much actual experience Vinny's had on the plate tracks, but I think that what's going to be interesting here is that he, in particular, may benefit from Joe's education during the course of the weekend, and Joe could actually help this team sort out their plate program a little bit for going forward. You're exactly right. And I've been paying an attention to JD Motorsports for a number of reasons over the past few weeks, especially now with their addition of Joe Nemechek driving that 15 machine. Right. It'll be interesting to see what they learn. I mean, they're they're kind of flying under the radar here in this Xfinity series, but making some pretty big moves and bringing Joe Nemechek, a veteran driver like Cisco has said, is going to be huge for the drivers, the young guys like Vinny. It'll be interesting to see what all they learn and what all they can get from running these place races. Be, be Keep in mind, you know, they're running a lot of new cars and a lot of new stuff over there this season. So it'll be interesting to see how they all come together during this Daytona race. Well, yeah, and I think, you know, you've got a couple of young kids that are, you know, basically you got Matt Mills incoming uh, to run the uh, 15 car after I think after Daytona, actually. Um, and so it's it's going to be interesting. And again, I think this is a great move. They've got 
uh, some new cars that they purchased from Chip Ganassi Racing. They've got composite bodies that they're hanging on all their cars there at, at JD Motorsports now. Uh, they feel like their program should be significantly improved. And, you know, yes, first time fielding a four-car team. So, you know, I feel like with Ross Chastain being the sort of the crafty veteran of the bunch when Joe's not in the car, uh, you know, I think that you've got Chastain, you've got the zero of Smithley and the O one of Miller running on a regular full-time basis. And then you've got Mills taking over uh, after Daytona. He wasn't uh, able to, to race the car at Daytona. So I think you've got an opportunity here for JD Motorsports to step up and play in the top 10 to 15 on a somewhat regular basis. Uh, you know, the key for them is just going to be consistency and, you know, staying out of trouble. You're exactly right. Consistency will be key over this season for them as they're, you know, learning a, a whole bunch of stuff. And I apologize for the awkward science there. Everybody paying attention to the duels as the green flag just dropped for most of us. So everybody kind of turned their heads there to yeah. look at the screen. So, but yeah, it'll be interesting. Consistency, especially with them adding a new car in their first time running a four car team, like you said, it'll be interesting. They got to keep consistency. They got to keep the cars clean and basically a learning experience for all these drivers here at Daytona this week. Yes. Yeah, well, is- Chris. I think Bowman. I think Bowman was a king when he said he's going to the back. He just yeah, went straight to the he, back. He immediately and Tom. Tom said that he wasn't going to go straight. But he went out and back. Yeah, I back just I couldn't picture that happening. And I, I really, honestly, he's, he's wanting to keep the car clean. I'm well. I'm not sure you keep the car clean in the middle or the back of the field any any uh, better than you keep it clean. I think the best place to be in this race is in the lead. So I'm a little surprised that he wouldn't have just as long as he could lead the race and run well he would have stayed up there i'm i'm kind of uh scratching my head a little bit about this strategy but uh honestly uh cisco though the guys that are that are uh calling his race for him know a little bit more about all that than we do i guess and unsurprisingly to me the top three cars now on the lead lap as we come to complete lap number three is logano blaney and keselowski which is just the do is the clash all over again <laughs> three penske cars in the lead already at daytona well and you know again the 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 team deals are gonna find their ways together that's just gonna happen we'll we'll see how this works out here as uh, this race keeps going and we've got plenty more to talk about here and we've got several other voices is to hear from as we continue with the stock car show here right around the turn you're listening to the show presented by hms motorsports exclusively on the voice of motorsports the performance motorsports network do you love the sound of high revving motors and the smell of burning rubber do you want to get your car sideways right at the ragged edge of control if you've always wanted to try drifting or learn to improve your drifting skills summit point motorsports park the mid-atlantic's premier motorsports facility has the expert instructors and the specialized track to teach you how to drift and the skills necessary to drift competitively from skid pad to open sessions summit point motorsports park has the safe and open environment that allows drifters of all skill levels new to intermediate to get sideways and smoking with a focus on safety and the skill set necessary to drift competitively summit point motorsports parks drift nirvana is just the thing for you call for your reservation today 304-725-8444 or for more information go online summitpoint-raceway.com or you can email them at office at bsrinc.com drift nirvana getting you sideways the right way 
HMS Motorsport is the leader in motorsport safety. HMS serves the majority of Monster Energy NASCAR Cup, Xfinity and Camping World Truck Teams, many IndyCar and IMSA WeatherTech teams, as well as countless SECA and club-level racers and driving enthusiasts throughout North America. Featuring world-renowned brands like Schroep Belts, Adidas Suits and Shoes, Orica Driver Gear, Lifeline Fire Systems, and even Racecom Radio Kits, HMS representatives are knowledgeable and focused on only one thing, making your track driving as safe as possible. With locations in Mooresville, North Carolina and Danvers, Massachusetts, the staff at HMS is always ready to take the time and help you find the right product for your safety needs. Don't settle for second when it comes to motorsport safety. Stop in to HMS Motorsport. Visit them on their website at HMSMotorsport.com or send them a message on Facebook and tell them the folks from PMN Radio sent you. What an awesome game. What's up with your car? I don't know. It won't start. How are we getting home? Chill. My parents signed me up for the roadside assistance from Lewis Meineke. It was free with my oil change. They'll come and get the car started or get us home and tow the car to the shop. Good to know. With my driving, my parents never know what to expect. When you join the Meineke Car Care Club with a $35 preferred service, you get four free months of roadside assistance, including tire change, battery jump, lockout service, towing, and more. Contact Lewis Meineke located on Route 1 or call 827-2054. When do you think of a plumber? Like most people, even if it's an emergency, you can be confident about who will arrive to help you. For quality and reliability, count on someone you can trust. Call on the plumbing services of Hague Quality Water of Maryland. Plumbing doesn't have to be an emergency. We handle all kinds of preventative maintenance, too. Hague Quality Water of Maryland is family-owned here in Annapolis since 1993. For a refreshing choice, call us at 888-84-WATER or visit us online. COPD, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, is a lung disease that robs people of their ability to breathe. As many as 24 million Americans suffer from COPD, also known as chronic bronchitis or emphysema, and half of them don't know they have the disease. If you or someone you love is over 35 and has smoked more than 100 cigarettes in their lifetime, visit driveforcopd.org and take the screener, then take that to your doctor. I'm Jeff Stoltz, and I drive for COPD. I'm Dalton Sargent. You're listening to Race Talk on Performance Motorsports Network. Welcome back to the Stock Car Show, powered by our good friends at HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety. You can visit them on the web at HMSMotorsport.com, and you should. And it is time now to talk to a most excellent driver, not only of a NASCAR Capping World truck and a UMP modified. He also drove his motorhome to Florida. Justin Haley, that's a real racer. Welcome back to the show. Thank you. There's uh, there's a lot of other cars I drove during this week. The uh, the motorhome, the uh, UMP modified, and the truck uh, are my cup of tea. So I'm glad to be back on, guys. Well, it's good to have you back on, and I want to talk about the Modified for a minute or two because that's what you've been doing all week. Now, you know, you always are the self-deprecating one who says, I have no idea how to race on dirt, but you're a good dirt racer, and you're getting better, and I'm sure this was quite the experience running down there with the UMP division. Yeah, for sure. You know, I grew up dirt racing uh, up in Indiana. That's where my roots are from, and, um, you know, I, I did some outlaw cart stuff in Millbridge, uh, just for fun, you know, just to kind of tool around and, uh, you know, enjoy myself 
but um, I bought this UMP modified off the Australian, actually his old house car last year. And, you know, I've got a good relationship with Strimmy. He used to race for my uncle back in the day. So I hired a mechanic from Roush Finway, actually. He works full-time for me now. And we took wow. it upon ourselves, just me and him, um, to do all eight nights of racing. So between me driving and cutting tires and changing transmissions and everything else and him, we did eight nights straight of racing. Took a break Saturday, so I, I seven nights, but... You know, it's probably the hardest I've ever worked. They they implied this new rule where you can start siping tires. So last year we would just kind of grind the tires and be on our way. This year we had a whole lot of stuff to do with the tires. So we were undermanned, but, you know, we still made the big show. Streaming helped us out a little bit on setup. So um, just had the time of my life racing down here at Volusia. That's it was, awesome. It was really fun. You had some good finishes down there, too. I mean, do you feel like you're getting more comfortable in the UMP car now that you've really had some chances to get some decent track time underneath you? Yeah, I mean, I, I love UMP. It's got 900 horsepower, and it's just a machine. Um, it's got little tires. and I've done probably six or seven shows, and I won my first three. Um, then I went to the Eldora Fall Nationals last year, finished second in overall points out of 87 cars. Um, they came here, and we, we didn't do quite as stellar, but um, we were kind of chasing the track all weekend, and we kind of had the right, wrong shocks on it. So, um, again, without a full engineering staff like I do on the truck, it, it's hard with just uh, me and my guys. So um, we learned a lot, though. I had a lot of fun. Can't be disappointed. How tough is it, really, to go down and other than one night when they split the field in half to not have a break. I know I've talked to Crafton and Allguy or some of those guys that go down there and, and do the same thing that you guys did, and it really is a grueling stretch. Yeah, you know, I, I've done the super late models at New Smyrna. I've done that whole speed week, and now I've done the Volusia speed week. So I got both ends covered, and I honestly can't tell you which one's harder. I do know that um, cleaning the modified every day was not as enjoyable as just unloading the super late and wiping her off. So um, either way, I had a ball. Life experience for sure. Um, didn't catch any gators in the pond. Didn't win a gator trophy, but definitely saw some gators. So uh, it, it was just really cool. Well, and now it's uh, getting about that time to turn your attention back to Daytona and back to the Camping World truck series and talk a little bit about what you're looking forward to of course friday night the big race uh you know this has got to be a different kind of approach to a season for you with the truck last year basically a rookie hadn't spent a lot of time a mile and a half so now you've kind of gotten through all that and shown that you can win races and run up front in you know some of those situations and you can compete in a series like the truck series is this year about winning a championship for you? I mean, I'm not really sure what else it would be about, Tom. Uh, I, I, yeah, I guess. I mean, it, it's been different this week leading up to Daytona. I've, I've obviously been on the road for two weeks now. I haven't been home um, preparing. I haven't been in the shop with the guys. Uh, the last time I was home, I had a big Super Bowl party with the 24 guys just trying to get one last, like, little stand, um, get them prepped, you know, get the camaraderie there. So, you know, I've been at the track since last, Sunday, right after the Super Bowl, I left. So, um, you know, it's different. I, I think the truck series is going to be good to us this year. Uh, me and Kevin Belcourt started working pretty good towards the end of the year last year. So, um, you know, I'm going to put it all out there on the line. And um, like I've said in some of the articles, it, I really have nothing to lose. Um, you know, I'm just a kid from Indiana, and this is all I got. This is my chance. So, 
Um, I, I took my chance in the Canaan Series, got the championship, so I'm just going to do it again and hope for the same result. Well, and I guess where I was going with that more is, you know, after a, after a year, do you feel like as a driver you're actually ready to go out and compete with the best in that division for a championship? And, you know, it sounds like you're pretty confident this year, and that's good because obviously what you did your last year in K&N, uh, if you can transfer any of that, and I don't want to use the word swagger, but I guess just confidence and comfort level, if you can transfer any of that into – uh, this year with the truck, having had a year to kind of get that experience, you know, this could be quite a year, and you've got uh, a good group of teammates at GMS to rely on again this year, including the new kid on the block, Dalton Sargent. Yeah, you know, just again, you know, you, you say compete with the rest of the series. You know, I look at the, my competition and think, you know, I'm better than them. I think that's what you have to do. You know, I don't want to be cocky or sure. anything like that, but you go out there and really be confident and know what you have, know your abilities, you have to think you're the best, even if you're not. And, you know, you can't be better unless unless you try. So um, last year, you know, I learned a lot from Johnny Sauter. Um, he's definitely one of the best in the series, and he shows it year to year. So I think if I can just pick up some of his swagger and how he does stuff, um, I might not be Twinkies in between practice sessions like he does, but, uh, you know, definitely some, some of what he does and how he <laughs> – approaches races i think i'll be a lot better now a year ago at this time you were not old enough yet to run daytona in a truck you've done drafting in an arca car but besides talladega last fall this is going to be your first shot at the world center of racing in a camping world truck what's the anticipation level like going into this and knowing hey it's finally my time to get a crack at this i think the most uh, anticipation I have right now is just knowing that it's the first race of the season and it's just really nice to always start the first race of the season off you know on a good foot um so I, I think GMS has really good super speed day stuff we show it every year last year we qualified one two three here and then in the fall in Talladega we qualified like two three four five so um we have very good super speed day stuff we work well as a team um right before I came down here to Daytona we had a a meeting where all the drivers, owners, and crew chiefs, engineers, we all sat down and came up with our uh, plan. It's confidential, so I can't release it. But, you know, I, I just want to be like Cash Gall, really. You know, he came down here, dominated one, and uh, if we can do the same thing, then uh, we'll be on a good foot. Tom, I think it's amazing that when you sit here and listen to him, he's probably the only truck series driver that I've ever heard when you bring up Daytona not immediately mention the fact that it's Daytona. And and see, that's what's what's interesting about this is because normally you think about this not just being the first race of the year but being a stage. No, not for this kid. It's just another race. Yeah, I, well, I'm just interested that he uh, gave us a scoop about uh, Johnny Sauter's, uh, you know, daily race day uh, snacks. Uh, I, I like the Twinkies. Twinkies. Yeah, e- e- eating Twinkies. It's, you know, sometimes uh, he throws in, like, you know, Swiss roll here and there, but um, <laughs> some Cheez-Its and a, and a Coke will get him fired up for practice. So, um, you know, I can't hate on him too much, though. He goes out there and kicks our ass most of the time. So. <laughs> Well, you know what? Jacob's right, though. It's an interesting perspective you have, and I think, 
you know, as we've kind of watched you grow up into this this role that you now play as, you know, one of the NASCAR National Series racers and a contender at that, I, I, I think it's it's interesting to see you still enjoying and still wanting to sort of step out of that and go play on the dirt and, you know, do these other things. I think, you know, you've got to be just taking in information at a pretty rapid pace this last year or two. And I feel like all of that's going to make you a more well-rounded racer. And, you know, to be able to go to Daytona and, and say, look, you know, this is our first race of the year. Yeah, it's Daytona, but, you know, it, it really wouldn't matter where it was. You know, our goal is still the same. Go win it and get the season started off right. Yeah, you know, I've really learned that racing is a lot more than just what you do on the track. You know, I, I look into races uh, more mentally and psychologically. You know, you go to Daytona and there's all this hype, first race of the year, everyone's ready, you know, to get going. Yep. You know, I'm ready to get going too, but, you know, I feel like the hype gets your head, Daytona gets your head, and, you know, you start getting nervous or whatnot, then you're not focused on winning. So I was probably more nervous going to Volusia than a Daytona just because I'm so focused on the goal at hand so uh, the more focused you are on your goal the the less noise you have around you so um, you can ask anyone that that's around me my manager my PR people uh, my team you know I'm just so focused uh, mentally and physically on on winning a race and uh, winning multiple races in a championship so I think definitely we have every shot to get to the final four this year and if we don't get to the final four then you know I'm going to be very disappointed, but GMS gives us everything we have and need to get there. So, you know, you just got to stay focused and, and can't let all that outside really get into you or your team. You know, it's all about keeping your team confidence up, too, and not letting that get to their head because they're just as important, uh, probably more of an important job than I have. I want to put it to you like this, then. If you win the race, at that point, does it sink in, hey, I just won at Daytona? I mean, for a kid from Indiana, what does it mean to be able to compete now at arguably the most famous facility that NASCAR has? I guess we can talk about that when I do win here Friday. <laughs> uh, when I do win. Next week, but, you know, Daytona obviously is cool. I mean, I love Super Speedway Racing. Showed that last year in the ARCA race at Talladega. The only thing that would make Daytona a little bit cooler is if we were still racing on the beach. Oh, now there's a kid that knows his history. Spoken like a dirt racer at heart. Fair enough. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Let's go race on the sand at the beach. I like it. Well, you actually probably would have enjoyed the point on uh, in the line on Friday night when uh, or last. uh, What was it? Saturday. You know, that all that stuff on the track from the Arca race there before they cleaned the speedy drive was kind of like it looked like Daytona Beach there for a bit. Yeah, Dirt Daytona, I guess. I mean, the Arca race. How about Michael Self getting the win? I was, I was your buddy. My That's right. Race, yeah, yeah. Then I saw him uh, at BJ's Brew House afterwards and had a nice talk with him. He wouldn't text me back though. You know, I texted him. You know, great job. Whatever you think was spending three years with the kid, he at least texted <laughs> back. But you know, he he's got a lot more important stuff. So uh, no, that was cool for Michael to get the win. That was uh, it was obviously you know I'm very close to him still. So. That was, I was pretty pumped up about that. No matter think, what else you think about the race uh, or the ending or whatever, it was just great to see Michael pick up the win. I also think that's proof that uh, at least for five minutes, Michael Self was too good for the driver he used to coach. No, correct. No, correct. <laughs> <laughs> 
Now, I know the big name on this list, and I want to let you talk about it for a second before we uh, let you go keep getting ready for Friday night's race. But Fraternal Order of Eagles came back on this year in a big way, and I know they're a huge part of the team of supporters that is helping you do this again this year, Justin. Talk a little bit about the sponsors and the backers that are putting you on the racetrack. FOE, the Fraternal Order of Eagles, they've been great to me. They're on my K&N car um, for the first time at Columbus Motor Speedway, and I won for them. And ever since then, uh, it's just been great to have them aboard. Uh, you know, I go out, and uh, what they do as a charity uh, is just amazing, how they help kids and veterans and everything else. Um, you know, to be associated with an organization like that is just incredible. And, you know, I go out to all the Aries um, and do appearances at all the tracks, like Phoenix. I'm doing one Wednesday here in Daytona Beach. So I'm getting to meet them and hear their stories and how excited they get, you know, to the track. So to have their support means everything. And, you know, they really are the reason I am here today. Well, we certainly have enjoyed the opportunity to talk with you, and we're going to give you one last shot, Justin, to uh, spread some love to those who are helping you make this year happen, and uh, then we're going to wish you a whole lot of good luck and safe racing over the weekend. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm just glad I'm back on uh, the show, guys. I'm talking to Jacob Steelman and Tom Baker. I mean, how can it get any better? So um, hopefully we go out there and uh, win Daytona for uh, FOE and the Fraternal Order of Eagles. Um, Formula One Imports, everyone, everyone aboard, Arai Helmets, uh, and especially GMS. Um, so, hoping to get it done. I do want to state for the record that he is the one that requested time on our show. Usually we have to go getting drivers. He came to me and wanted back on here. So I I can very much appreciate this. We certainly can, and we do appreciate always, and we look forward to having uh, Justin in the studio at some point soon. Uh, Hint, hint. Yeah, hint, hint. Uh, As soon as you get a free opportunity, man, we'd love to have you back and uh, had a ball with your buddy Kaz a week or so ago. We'd certainly love to get you back in the studio as well. He didn't bring the flamethrowing watch, though, dude. Yeah, I know. I know. I I mean, I give him a hard time because I got him this great gift because I wanted to use it. And then he comes (laughs) over to my house and doesn't even bring it over. So I guess I'm going to have to get one to myself, and we're going to have to, like, run the candle (laughs) work. Oh, boy. I can see social media now. All right, buddy. Have a great race this weekend. Be safe and uh, look forward to talking with you again soon. Thank y'all. Y'all have a good one. That's Justin Haley. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we've got more motorsports conversation, courtesy of the fine folks at HMS Motorsport, the leaders of motorsport safety. You're listening to the Stock Car Show exclusively on the Performance Motorsports Network. Excuse me. I know you have a nine o'clock, so I'll keep this short. I'm the business suit in the back of your closet. You wore me nearly every day before your office went, quote, casual. I used to be the CEO of your closet. Now I'm just that one intern no one ever talks to. I always thought you'd circle back with me. Get granular. Keep me in the pipeline. But nada. Nothing. Don't you remember the McKittrick presentation? You spilled coffee on me and I still looked amazing during the breakout talkback Q&A. So I think it's time for me to move on. I've got a great resume and I absolutely crush it in interviews. Okay, let's make this a clean break. Shift the paradigm. The only thing I ask is that you think outside the box here and do this. Take me to Goodwill, where I can really make a difference. Your donations to Goodwill create new jobs, training programs, and education assistance for people in your community. 
To find your nearest donation center, go to goodwill.org. Donate stuff. Create jobs. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Parents, your son or daughter has had their license for a while now, but you want to make sure they're prepared for any situation they may face on the road. High school driver's ed doesn't teach them to drive defensively. They need to be prepared for any highway emergency. For less than a month's insurance, and a whole lot less, BSR instructors at Summit Point Motorsports Park in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, will teach your son or daughter how to respond instantly and positively to unexpected situations on the road. BSR's specialized accident avoidance training teaches swerve to avoid maneuvers at highway speed, ocular driving, which focuses driving attention on ways to avoid accidents, vehicle dynamics and feedback, skid control, and skid recovery, threshold braking on straights and progressive braking on curves, and off-road recovery techniques. This is stuff driver's ed simply doesn't teach. So call BSR today, 304-725-8444. Give your kid the skill set needed to drive safely and responsibly on the highway. That's 304-725-8444. When do you think of a plumber? Like most people, even if it's an emergency, you can be confident about who will arrive to help you. For quality and reliability, count on someone you can trust. Call on the plumbing services of Hague Quality Water of Maryland. Plumbing doesn't have to be an emergency. We handle all kinds of preventative maintenance, too. Hague Quality Water of Maryland is family-owned here in Annapolis since 1993. For a refreshing choice, call us at 888-84-WATER or visit us online. Here at Lewis Meineke, we're more than just your average car care center. Hey, it's Dave, your neighbor from Lewis Meineke. Whether you need an oil change, brakes, tires, or anything under the hood, we've got you covered. Take advantage of our free check engine light service as well. Yes, free. And don't forget about our free shuttle service. Never stress, we'll take care of the rest. On with life. Give us a call at Lewis Meineke, 302-827-2054. Hi, I'm Spencer Davis, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Now back to the show. Welcome back to the Stock Car Show, presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety. You can and you should check them out on the web at hmsmotorsport.com. Tom Baker, Jacob Seelman, Cisco Scaramuza, Chris Murdoch, all sitting around having a conversation about motorsports, and we just heard... From Justin Haley, we now go to the ARCA series, and we hear from Willie Mullins. Why? Because Willie finished second in the Lucas Oil 200 at Daytona over this past weekend. Willie, welcome to the show. We are really happy to have you on, and congratulations on a fantastic run. Thank you very much. I appreciate you all having me on tonight. Willie, uh, I know you and I talked about it earlier uh, in the week, but I, I want you to recount the last few laps of this race from your perspective for our listeners because this was every bit as insane for you as it looked on the television broadcast for those who were watching from home. And I know going into that uh, first edition of the last lap, you were sitting 11th and thinking, or 14th it may have been at that point, and thinking, gosh, I feel like we missed the ship. Yeah, yeah, we were sitting back there, and, you know, I'm sitting under the red flag, and I'm, you know, talking with my spotter, and and we're just trying to figure out that, you know, it looks like we're just going to take a 14th, 15th place finish and and go home with it. You know, we were just, you know, 
figuring there wouldn't be countless restarts, you know, unfortunately at the end, but you know, we got a good run there and, and got up to 11th, I think. And then we had another red flag. So then you're sitting there thinking, well, 10th isn't bad. Let's try to do that. And then again, they, they wreck a bunch of cars and we're sitting second next to Michael self on the back straight away. And, and then the emotion really starts coming into you and, and you're sitting there thinking, you know, there's a lap to go. We're sitting second place. You know, we're hoping to try to go for a win, but we know we got to protect what we at least have. And, and then you're thinking about all the friends and family back home and, you know, how they're thinking and what they're feeling. So it's it, a lot of emotions that back there on the back straight away. And then the, uh, the, uh, the moment when you and Michael drove through, I, I can't even begin to imagine still what that was like for you because it was one of those where you're sitting there thinking, okay, sixth is pretty good. All of a sudden, oh, they're all crashing in front of me. Yeah, and, and you know, you're coming into down into three, you know, off the super stretch, and, you know, you look up and, and you see all the leaders up in a ball up there at the top of turn three, and you're just hoping you can snake through and, and not get clipped in that right rear quarter panel and, and get turned head onto the wall. And we got through there, and then you realize, wow, you're coming out of turn four, and there's only one car in front of you. So that's when things start uh, taking shape, and you look like a hero almost. And, you know, it, it really started to come to fruition about maybe we did make the right decisions. Maybe we did do everything right up to that point. So, you know, it, it was – it just – it built the whole day – made us look great, you know, and it made us feel good that we did the right things during the day. And then you finished second after being hung on what you called Venturini Island on that final <laughs> restart. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, I didn't really think of it at, at the beginning, you know, until the, on the way back up the road, and, you know, you had two Venturini cars to the inside, one behind you, you know, and then an MDM car was farther back, and, you know, me and Michael were drag racing to back to the checkered flag, and, you know, we had a strong enough car. Um, I was by myself and could hang with Tom Hessert right there with that last lap. You know, we were able to get that thing finally wound up at the end of the back straightaway and drive away from him um, with a little bit of help from Sheldon Creed. So, you know, we have a good car. We have a good speedway program, and we were very thankful we were able to to drive away from those uh, guys and girls on that last lap. Venturini Island. Sort yes. of like Gilligan's Island, but without ginger. <laughs> exactly. I don't know. I mean, you know, a lot of people say second sucks, but I think in your case, you're probably very happy to finish second. Absolutely. We're very proud. You know, I, I watched the race back, and, and you see Kevin Reed on the, on, the, uh, on the TV show talking about how they went to a cup team and, got their car in the wind tunnel after the test and and things like that well we just brought ours back to the our body shop and we painted it and and polished on it a little bit and we went with the best piece we could afford well it certainly was good enough for second place and you know what it, this is daytona and when i think about a driver like yourself in a situation like you're in being able to come up and finish second, I mean, for all of the negative comments and complaints that people had about uh, the end of that race, as far as I'm concerned, you know, this is what ARC is about. It's about the, the opportunity for a driver like Willie Mullins to be able to be competitive and have a chance to have a good finish. 
And, you know, to me, I, I think it, it was great. It would have been nice, obviously, to see you get the win. Um, we'll be talking to Michael Self shortly. But, um, you know, it would have been nice to see you get the win. And we always love fairy tale endings. But, you know, to me, second place isn't losing for you guys. That That was a really amazing effort put together by your whole team to be able to have you in position to even be in that conversation and to take advantage of, you know, look, you get five, six, seven cars, whatever that crash in front of you, you still have to be able to finish the race. You got to be fast enough to hang on to the spot. So as far as I'm concerned, you earned it. Absolutely. You know, we, we just couldn't, uh, couldn't have wrote it any better. You know, it was a fairy tale for us. You know, if, if we had a chance to do it again, we would, you know, there's some things we're going to change for, to help our car on restarts. Um, but, you know, for me, you know, coming to the, to the white flag, you know, with the green flag right there, it was kind of like a summit point, uh, restart when we run down there with the Mars guys. So, <laughs> you know, I just put, put back into my road racing, uh, restarts and knew I had to get on top of the gearbox and, and get it down there as best I could so nobody would get behind us and drive around us. So it was, it was some of my road racing experience came out and we were very pleased on how it all worked out for us. I've been to Summit Point for a couple of those Mars races. Those are a bunch of fun up there. Absolutely. And that's where, you know, I got my start was there with uh, an older ARCA car. And, sure. And that's where, you know, I, I learned car control and things like that. And we've run there for the past 10 years and we run a lot of the Mars FCCA races with our ARCA cars. So we're very fortunate to, have a great group behind us there and, and were, was able to bring me up and, and teach me car control and, and have a fun time and learn what fun racing is. To me, that even adds to the story because it's not very often anymore that you see a team go from racing Mars with an ARCA car, a, a series like Mars with an ARCA car, and then, you know, let's go to Daytona with a, let's get a Speedway car and go to Daytona and, tr- and basically try to do the real thing on the big oval. Right, and that's exactly how it happened. In reality, four years ago, we decided to get a cheap speedway car and, and give it a shot. And I built the motor the first year, and, and we went down there and had okay success. And then, you know, the next year, the, the new Elmore came out. So we decided to invest a little bit more into our program. And, and that's when I got my first eighth-place finish there at Daytona. And, and then last year, we had a wreck early and then got took it taken out. But this year, we came back with a new composite body, and that even leveled the playing field a little bit more for us. So we were able to really compete with these big teams, and I think that was the step the step we needed to, to be able to showcase that we have good equipment, we got good people, and we were able to put on a good show for everybody. Willie, uh, talk a little bit about what may be next on the horizon for your guys' team. I know uh, the possibility is out there of you guys running Talladega, and you guys are a part-time team. The whole deal here is if you're going to go to the racetrack, you guys want to be competitive and want to be able to have showings like what you had at Daytona. So what is next for you guys? Um, we're probably, you know, we're about 75% sure we're going to go to Talladega. we got the car all apart, and... You know, we're starting to get it fixed up for that. Um, we're definitely going to be at the Elko race. Um, our awesome. sponsor is actually going to step up and be a, a co-sponsor of the race for that weekend. Um, and then if anything else falls in the line between now and then, we're, we're trying to race as many as we can afford. Um, we'd like to do five to ten races a year, but it all depends on what we can afford because we always want to be out there and be competitive and, and make sure we're all on as close of a level playing field with the big teams as we can and 
you know, we want to represent who we are, uh, you know, wherever we go every time. Well, before we uh, let you go and uh, get back to everything on your end up in Virginia, I know, uh, Willie, that there's also a lot of sponsors that helped you guys make it possible in Daytona, and we want to give you a chance to uh, give a shout-out to all of them here on the air with us. Absolutely. You know, without uh, Bugsy's Auto Repair, CW Metals, Crowing Recycling, uh, Morgan Lumber Company, uh, Timmy Braun and Snap-on Tools, you know, and, and one of our big supporters at County Waste. Uh, they're uh, a pretty big trash company, but uh, Scott Earl is a very good friend of ours. And uh, we actually had uh, a very close friend from County Waste, Bob, there. and He was rooting us on all weekend in the pit stall. So it was a great weekend to have uh, a good showing like that. Boy, I guess. Well, congratulations, Willie, to all you guys. And I do want to add, by the way, uh, that when I was talking to him the first of the week, and I know, Willie, you'll probably laugh at, the, at me mentioning this, but uh, he said this ranked second on his life accomplishments list only to getting married. Yes. <laughs> yep, yep, it does. And, uh, you know, it's, it's very, uh, very rare that we get this good of a feeling out of a race. You know, we all struggle when it comes to racing, especially the smaller teams, and we're just thankful that, Everybody is uh, very supportive out there in the race car world. All our friends, family, and fans, we couldn't have done it without them. Well, we're thankful that you took a few minutes to talk to us tonight, Willie. Again, best of luck, and uh, we'll hope to see you back at the racetrack before too long. Absolutely. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you very much. On the other side of a break, we're going to hear from the one guy who finished ahead of Willie Mullins in the ARCA race at Daytona, that being Michael Self from Venturini Motorsports, who joins us right after this. You're listening to the Stock Car Show, presented by the fine folks at HMS Motorsport, here on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network. Parents, your son or daughter has had their license for a while now, but you want to make sure they're prepared for any situation they may face on the road. High school driver's ed doesn't teach them to drive defensively. They need to be prepared for any highway emergency. For less than a month's insurance, and a whole lot less, BSR instructors at Summit Point Motorsports Park in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, will teach your son or daughter how to respond instantly and positively to unexpected situations on the road. BSR's specialized accident avoidance training teaches swerve to avoid maneuvers at highway speed, ocular driving, which focuses driving attention on ways to avoid accidents, vehicle dynamics and feedback, skid control, and skid recovery, threshold braking on straights and progressive braking on curves, and off-road recovery techniques. This is stuff driver's ed simply doesn't teach so call bsr today 304-725-8444 give your kid the skill set needed to drive safely and responsibly on the highway that's 304-725-8444 you hear that that's the sound of america's only sports car that's right it's a corvette but not just any corvette it's your Corvette. It's that who cares if there's traffic part of your day. And this can be you when you come to Cooper Corvettes. With 60 years of Corvettes to choose from, there's always a Corvette in your budget. And they'll service any Corvette you bring in. Cooper Corvettes on Route 1 just north of Quantico and Triangle. Call, click, or visit coopercorvettes.com. HMS Motorsport is the leader in motorsport safety. HMS serves the majority of Monster Energy NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, Camping World Truck, IndyCar, and IMSA WeatherTech teams, as well as countless SCCA and club-level racers and driving enthusiasts throughout North America. Featuring world-renowned brands like Schubert Helmets, Schroep Belts, Adidas Suits and Shoes, Lifeline Fire Systems, and even Racecom Radio Kits, 
HMS has the right product for your type of racing and your budget. Their representatives are experts on only one thing, making your track driving as safe as possible. With locations in Mooresville, North Carolina and Danvers, Massachusetts, the HMS staff is always ready to take the time to help you find the right product for your safety needs. Don't settle for second when it comes to motorsport safety. Stop in to HMS Motorsport. Visit them on their website at hmsmotorsport.com or send them a message on Facebook and tell them the folks from PMN Radio sent you. Hi, this is John Andrasik of Five for Fighting, here for RAD, the entertainment industry's voice for road safety. You know, style is a personal thing, and your lifestyle is your business. But if you take it on the road, it becomes everybody's business. So please, plan ahead, designate before you celebrate. Friends, don't let friends drive drunk. A public service announcement brought to you by RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Matt Tift, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Welcome back. Second hour of tonight's Stock Car Show presented by HMS Motorsport is getting the green flag right now. Tom Baker, Jacob Seelman, Cisco Scaramuza, Chris Murdoch, and of course our producer Bill Holt from the Carolina School of Broadcasting. And we are joined now. We're about to be self-centered for this segment as we are joined by Lucas Oil 200 winner. I couldn't resist that. Michael Self talking to us on the program now venturini motorsports racer getting the win over the weekend in the arca race and michael welcome back to the program good to have you on with us again and great to see you get the win over the weekend although honestly uh you must have felt like you were running at least the 12 hours of daytona for a few minutes there yeah oh, i appreciate you guys having me on tonight <laughs> but it was a long race i think that's probably one of the longest ones I've ever ever been in, even considering the Xfinity races I ran a couple of years ago. I think I've heard it went what around three and a half hours total, and uh, and ran uh, twelve additional laps. I guess it was. Yeah, it was a long one, and oh by the way, it took uh, just a shade, I think, under three hours. So you're right, actually longer than some of the Xfinity races that you've been in, Michael. But uh, I know no less rewarding for you because you get to the checkered flag first. Before we talk about how important it is to win at Daytona, I asked Willie about this. Take us back to that last, uh, those last couple of restarts, especially the one comes to my mind where you pulled a James Busher, drove inside of all the crashing cars, and proceeded to win the race. <laughs> well, there's kind of a key thing that I keep telling people, and uh, I guess it was about lap 25. Um, we were under caution, and I, I felt like we run over something. I didn't know what it was, but it hit the underside of the car pretty hard. Well, after that, we started having a ton of brake issues, so we figured, okay, you know, something's going on. One of the brake lines has been ripped, or you know, who knows what, but, um, throughout the race and before our second, second, uh, pit stop, uh, I basically had zero brake pressure at all. I mean, my brake pedal was going all the way to the floor and just barely grabbing the front brakes. And so that was a big concern for us. That led to, um, the incident to put at the back when I, when I blew my pit box on our second stop, locked up the front tires, had to come in a third time, change tires and went all the way to the back there. So, when those wrecks happened right in front of me, I didn't really have a choice. I didn't really have a way to slow down. I could come off the gas and, 
um, back up a little bit. But other than that, I was just kind of going straight through it. I didn't really have any other options. So uh, my spotter, who was Mike Herman Jr., um, he kind of gave me the best advice, and he said, look, you just got to aim straight at it. And when we're at these speeds, the chances of it being cleared out um, by the time you get there are pretty high. And so on both those big wrecks, especially that one in the backstrip here, the last thing I remember was just a ton of smoke, and I could see the hood of the 41 car aim straight at me, and I was like, oh, you know, this is it. I'm just going to clean us both out right here. Uh, I couldn't believe it. I came out of that line skate. I think I had a little damage on the right rear um, where I kind of snaked through uh, past the 23 into 55. But it was, uh, you know, as far as as far as wrecks go, just one of the more unbelievable experiences I've been through in terms of just not really having a lot of control and just kind of hoping for the best. The best ended up working out. You had uh, a whole bunch of team support on that final restart with Hessard and Natalie uh, right there behind you in that second row. Did you realize how far gone you were, by the way, when, when you came around and there was really nothing behind you? I did. Um, again, with, with Herm spawn for me, he is, uh, you know, he basically didn't come off the microphone from the time we got out of turn four under caution uh, to when we took the green and white together till the checkered flag. He was giving me details every car length that we were going on. Um, and we we knew that, that Tommy was going to push us really well on that restart, and the goal was to bring him along with us. But with that guy, he did give me a really good shove right on the initial start, and I was able to jump out to four or five lengths. And we just kind of kept pulling, and that's when Herm said, I'm okay with you getting out right here a little ways since we're coming to the checker. They may they may not have enough time to get back to you. And then when we were going through one and two, he's clear by five, clear by seven, and we got off two, and he said clear by ten, and he kind of thought a little bit worried. He was like, you know, a couple guys linking together, be ready to start blocking here. Um, but it, it just never happened. As soon as we got halfway down the back, so she said, we're going to be fine here. Just, just hold it clean through three and four. And that's when I started to get really excited and looking out the mirror. And uh, I, I just couldn't believe it. I mean, watching those guys fade behind me at Daytona is something that you wouldn't really expect. But um, I think that it says a lot about the, the Sinclair Oil Toyota that we had that night and the car that Kevin Reed built for us and what it did in clean air there and how good that car really was. Because we, we knew we had a great car the whole night. Uh, all through practice, we had a really strong car. We just kind of need the right opportunity to showcase it. Well, it certainly uh, you did showcase it. And I was sitting here listening to you just talk about that last lap and talking about how Herm didn't give you even a moment's rest on the radio. I'm sure that that's how you would want it in that situation. But at the same time, as a driver, you're you're getting closer and closer to winning not just a race. We're not talking about a race. We're talking about Daytona. And on the one hand, that information, I'm sure, was helpful. But on the other hand, it, it probably had to be a little nerve-wracking when he starts talking about, you know, guys linking up and coming. Like, just could this last lap be over? Because I feel like with all the red flag time, you must have aged at least a week in that, uh, that, that span. Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll be honest. The, uh, the second red flag when I was sitting there leading, um, I, I got emotional under that. You know, I kind of realized like the circumstance and had a, a lot of things running through my head, a lot of different scenarios, uh, the things that had happened over the off season, and just a lot of time just sitting there thinking things through and um, just reflected on a lot and thought about what it would mean to get that win, but knew 
we still have to have to get things done. We still got one lap that we got to do there, and then um, to just kind of anticipating when we do go green, what what's going to happen? You know, what scenario? What can you plan for? And it's been a lot of time talking to her and Kevin on the radio about the cars that were around me. And, who was going to be behind who, who was going to be available to push, what was going to be happening. I knew that um, there were there were a couple of really good scenarios, which were going to be either the 54 behind me or the 55 behind me, which are both really strong cars, um, and then were cars that hadn't been quite as good all night behind the three. And we knew we could use that to our advantage, just had to be, had to be smart about it. Um, and so once we kind of got through all that and got clear, like I said, it was just sitting there hoping and thinking during the red flag, and then when he... When he said that we were going to be good about halfway down the backstretch, you know, the excitement is just, it's unreal. It's like nothing you've ever felt before. And um, to hear Kevin screaming over the radio as we come out of four down to the tri-oval there, just the, the overall emotion that I felt was, it was, it was surreal in that moment. Um, won a lot of big races. I've been fortunate to, to bring home a lot of trophies from some really cool tracks in the K&N series and, and Kansas last year. Um, but this one just had a much more emotional impact in a, in a different way that you almost you almost just can't describe because it's so big and you know the caliber of it. And for me, being at a racetrack where I was really uncomfortable and really concerned about going in, uh, so that was a major lack of experience there, just feels like so much emotion comes in all at once. It's kind of built up, and, and to have one giant release is just uh, it's, it's a pretty cool feeling. I can only imagine what that was like. Okay, so now I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here, and you can choose, obviously, how you want to answer this question. But I know it worked out in your favor this time, obviously, but a lot of, uh, you know, controversy, conversation about the ARCA rule of ending a race under the green no matter what. What is your opinion of that as a driver at a place like Daytona or Talladega? Um, I'm personally on the side of ending it under the green because I feel like a race never really ends unless it ends at a green flag, checkered flag. Um, but what's your opinion as a driver of that rule, positive or negative? I, why? I tend to, to agree with what you just said. I, I like the idea of finishing a race under green. I think that's the purpose of racing i think that's what we're all out there for as drivers and i know as a fan uh, i want to see a race in the green right that's that's exciting for me as a fan um what i what i don't really like is you know sitting under red flag for 30 or 45 minutes um, as a driver or as a fan that's a lot of time that we're waiting for for one a one lap shoot out there um it costs a lot of tv time it's um, it can also play benefit in, in TV time, especially when you're the leader and the cameras on you quite a bit, especially for your sponsors. It's really, really helpful. Um, but I, I think that's an argument that I could sit here and go back and forth on pros and cons and my feelings on it all day. But at, at the end of the day, I, I, I think that races need to be, be finished under green. I'm a big supporter of that. Um, I always have been a big supporter of that. And I'll, I'll stand by ARCA, but I also understand the arguments that people are going to make against it. Um, you know, and again, like you guys said, I am biased right now because it worked out so well and in my favor. I'm trying to to push that off to the side and think the other thing through. So that's that's kind of my stance on it right now. We'll see as as the year goes on. Maybe that'll change. I don't I don't know. But for right now, I I agree. I I like seeing the races under green flag, and I hope the majority of the fans out there like it as well. 
Well, I do too, because I agree with you 100%. I, don't, I think a race that ends under caution is not really ended. It just is abandoned. That's always been my feeling about it. But anyway, we'll uh, give you an opportunity here to, first of all, tell us what you got coming up now. What does this rest of the season look like for you? And who do you need to give some shout outs to for helping you make it happen? Yeah, as of right now, we've, we've got nine more ARCA races. Uh, we'll all run the next race, which is Nashville, and then um, won't run the third race on the schedule, like, which is Toledo, I guess, but I will be at uh, Talladega, and I'll be at, oh, I'm trying to think here, it'll be at Charlotte, Iowa, Chicagoland, Kansas, Luxembourg Raceway Park, the Fall Salem race. Uh, I'll be in Michigan, and I'll split my time there between the 15 car and the number 55 car for Venturini Motorsports. We'll put the Sinclair Oil colors on both of those, and uh, Christian Eckes and myself are going to split the 15 car um, and try and go for an owner's championship in that car where I'll run the, the big track. Awesome. Um, and then get a couple of short tracks in there. And right now, that's, that's kind of what, what I'm focused on. I think as of right now, I can kind of sit and relax and, and bask in the glory of being a Daytona winner until the time for Nashville comes around, and then we'll focus on going short track racing and really uh, focus on what, what Kevin Reed and, and his team bought to Venturini Motorsports and myself and Sinclair bought to Venturini Motorsports this year, which was trying to rebuild their program, get them back into victory lane, and now we've done it once. we just got to go do it again and again on different types of tracks and really try and focus and build that program. So a big thanks to those guys who, who um, got me to come over there this year. A big thanks to Kevin who, who talked me into coming over there and gave me all the tools that I needed to go win at Daytona. And uh, I, I'm confident will give me the tools to succeed the rest of the year. And, and everyone at Venture Radio Motorsports, Bill, Kathy, Billy, Wendy, Emily, they've all put a, a massive amount of time and effort into their program and, and rebuilding it over the off season. And obviously uh, I think, most people know the story of me and Sinclair by now and how Sinclair has given me the opportunity to get back into a race car after a couple of years away and uh, given me a chance to get back into victory lane now a couple times with them on the car, and there's nothing more rewarding than that. Um, so a big shout-out to all those guys for the, the on-track stuff, and then my family, my wife, Dana, my dad, uh, mom and sisters, you continue to support and follow and, and um, egg me to, to pursue and, and keep things going and help me with the Sinclair program off the track. Uh, it's really a family effort that we do. It's something that we're really, really proud of and um, something we hope to keep going and keep building on and, and keep keep good for the fans and, and, and racing everyone out there. Well, we really appreciate the opportunity to talk with you again, Michael, and we would love to have you in studio here if you're uh, in the Mooresville area at some point. We need to set this up to get you in studio, sit in one of the co-host chairs, and have some conversation with us for an entire show. Yeah, absolutely, guys. I'll definitely try and do that. We've got a little bit of time here the next couple of weeks, so I've got some some schoolwork and uh, a couple other things that i got to get through, but hopefully I'll have some time to make it up and come through with you guys. That'll be a lot of fun. Thank you, Michael Self. We will step aside. And when we come back, we will update you on what's going on with the duels. But first, we're going to hear from Kyle Souza about what's been happening at New Smyrna this week. All that and more as the Stock Car Show continues exclusively on the Performance Motorsports Network. 
Hey, I'm T-Bone. I'm Mark Seidel. I'm Jay Weezy. I'm Will, and we all work at WFNZ, and we all attended Carolina School of Broadcasting. What's up? I'm QCB, and we don't want you to be confused. There's only one accredited broadcast school in Charlotte, and that school is Carolina School of Broadcasting. It matters where you get your education. Get yours where we got ours. Carolina School of Broadcasting. They are accredited. Financial aid is available for those who qualify, and VA funds are accepted. Call 704-395-9272 or visit csbradiotv.com. Parents, your son or daughter has had their license for a while now, but you want to make sure they're prepared for any situation they may face on the road. High school driver's ed doesn't teach them to drive defensively. They need to be prepared for any highway emergency. For less than a month's insurance, and a whole lot less, BSR instructors at Summit Point Motorsports Park in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, will teach your son or daughter how to respond instantly and positively to unexpected situations on the road. BSR's specialized accident avoidance training teaches swerve to avoid maneuvers at highway speed, ocular driving, which focuses driving attention on ways to avoid accidents, vehicle dynamics and feedback, skid control, and skid recovery, threshold braking on straights and progressive braking on curves, and off-road recovery techniques. This is stuff driver's ed simply doesn't teach. So call BSR today, 304-725-8444. Give your kid the skill set needed to drive safely and responsibly on the highway. That's 304-725-8444. This is a test to find out if you know it all when it comes to children. Name one of the leading killers of U.S. children age 1 to 13. What's the best way to protect children in a car crash? At what age and size should a child start using a booster seat? Don't assume you know it all when it comes to car seats for your child. Go to safercar.gov slash the right seat and know for sure. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. It's time to catch up on the latest from the New England racing scene. On the Stock Car Show, here's Tom Baker with Kyle Souza. Welcome back to the uh, Stock Car Show here on the Performance Motorsports Network, exclusively on the Performance Motorsports Network, might I add, and brought to you by our good friends at HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsports safety, Tom Baker, Jacob Seelman, and joined now via the Race Chaser Hotline by Kyle Souza, our New England correspondent who also has been busy working for NASCAR home tracks as well as Ariana Racing News, our good friends up there in the New Jersey area. But uh, Kyle, it's kind of funny. We titled this the New England segment, but really we started by talking about an event that took place in New York, and then we're going to move south and talk about a bunch of stuff going on in Florida that happens to involve some guys from New England. Yeah, so much going on, Tom, and, and you know the notebook sitting in front of me. So many different arrows and names yeah. and, and and directions that things have been going on over the last couple weeks. You know, simply put, the the TQ indoor season coming to a close uh, this past weekend, actually in Albany, New York. The first time they had been there uh, for an event in Albany. I, of course, was down south, but talking with people, they say a great experience there at Albany for the first time. We talked about going into this one that Justin Bonsignor was going to be the point leader. And, you know, he was going to really have to stumble if somebody was going to defeat him uh, for that championship in the indoor series. Comes to the end, Tom, and Justin ends up with the championship. A great way 
for him to get the season started yes. and get a little bit of momentum going heading towards the modified campaign. Yeah, it's always good to see Andy J have success. He's one of the nicer guys that you'll ever meet in the sport. And, you know, he's just one of these kind of, uh, I want to say, uh, you know, almost a, a rebel in a way because they're a nomad because he really doesn't uh, align himself with too many particular series or whatever. He just goes and races wherever he wants to. And that's um, always interesting to see Jen Kowiak get a win. And, of course, you know, when you go back to talking about the championship, you talk about Justin Monsignor. It's a similar story, except that Justin's more confined to the modified tour. Um, but he does run these TQs like Andy uh, in the winter time, just kind of to keep himself in shape and have some fun. I, you know, between Jen Kowiak and Monsignor, I don't know what's the bigger story here, but I will say this. I think for both of them, it's a confidence builder going into the season and much needed on both accounts. Yeah, I agree. And, and you know, for Jan Kowiak, he's been close in that indoor series over the last couple of times that they've run. I know he's got indoor victories in his past, but he's been close, able to seal the deal this time and kind of get himself going. And he's one of those guys that kind of, I guess he kind of spits here and there with his modified, and he visits a couple of touring series races with the, the Tri-Track Series, ROC, some of the local tracks. I mean, Andy kind of just does a lot with the modified. Good to see him pick up the win in the TQ. And then you mentioned Justin Vonsignor. They That team really deciding they weren't going to go south to uh, to Florida for the News Furnace Speed Weeks for yeah. the Tour Tate Modifieds. Instead, they were Justin was going to focus on... Uh, staying home and winning that indoor TQ championship. He was able to seal that deal. I know he wanted to be down south to get the uh, experience with his brand-new LFR modified, but uh, I still think for him, getting ready for Myrtle Beach in March where the tour will open, I know they're going to have a couple test sessions in between now and then for him, but uh, he's really going to be at the top of his game, I think, this year, and that indoor championship, Jacob, is just going to give him one little extra incentive to get that tour championship added to his resume. Exactly right. I think it's going to be a huge motivator for Justin. This is the kind of spark he needs. If you get off to a strong start on the NASCAR Wheel of Modified Tour, nine times out of ten we've seen over the tour history that you can keep that going for the remainder of the season. And I think this is, like you said, going to be one more push to help him get to that point. We'll have to wait and see. Obviously, it's never a given. But a great thing to see. And honestly, I think a major feather in the cap for the entire Modified community that uh, one of their own finally gets it done in those indoor TQs, Kyle. Well, I agree. And I, I think you mentioned that modified community transitioning a little bit. Justin not going down south, but that modified community is, is down south at New Smyrna Speedway has been the best we have seen in many, many years. It's a really stout field uh, and a really large field of cars that they've got assembled down there. Things started at Bronson. Last Saturday night, short uh, small track in Florida that kind of got their race up and going. A scary crash there for Ryan Priest. If you haven't seen that, well, check out social media uh, on Ryan's feeds. A scary crash at Bronson uh, that, that saw him go right through the fence there. He was able to escape without injury, but a very mangled car for him, uh, Jacob. Then the tour-type modified season getting underway down there at New Smyrna. And I think the real story going down there was who was going to show up. And we've seen an amazing car count for the first couple of nights. And I know that racing action uh, is going on tonight as well, but 
man, the first couple of nights there have seen a phenomenal car count for the modified, something that we haven't seen much in the past couple of years. I would agree with that. I mean, I think it was 1993, Kyle, if I remember correctly, the last time we had a field that big for the modified portion of New Smyrna Speed Weeks, 32 cars. I- I'm still blown away by saying that out loud. 32 cars at that half-mile track. I mean, it's been a couple decades. I love every minute of it. Uh, this is the kind of field and the kind of depth of competition that for a long time the World Series was known for. It had gotten away from that the past five or six years, but my gosh, if ever there was a time to come back out, win a championship, and really truly have it mean something, I think this year's World Series may be one of the best we've seen across the board in a long time, but especially with the modified division. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that from a depth perspective, I agree totally. There are a great field of cars, both in number and in quality. And how cool is it to see John McKennedy start that whole deal off with a win driving for Tommy Baldwin? I mean, Kyle, that's about as good as it gets. And I love the fact that Ryan Priest was able to come back and get a win after that uh, out-of-the-ballpark excursion at Bronson a few days ago in which he was okay, but the car wasn't, and probably uh, a lot of hearts in the grandstand weren't either. But uh, good to see him be able to bounce back as well and uh, have some success at Smyrna. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, for McKennedy, unfortunately involved in a wreck on Tuesday night has kind of halted his efforts here. A lot of damage to that car. Uh, and Tommy Baldwin and the team deciding that, you know, fixing that damage and continuing was probably not going to be the best idea. Uh, but McKennedy started off really strong, and Tuesday night he time-trialed second, uh, and a 10-car invert would have been scheduled to start ninth on the field. However, they had a technical infraction that forced them to start at the back. And in the end, when there was a wreck-off turn four on lap two with 20-something cars on the track— there was very little room to go uh, for McKennedy from the back of the field, and unfortunately, he wasn't able to avoid it. A lot of damage to the rear end of that car. Of course, his week being cut short, unfortunately, in that number seven with the new sponsor, uh, Jacob. We had talked about that a little bit ago, that brand-new sponsor, Excel Construction, coming on board for him. Uh, and that's a really big help to them. I know that he didn't have the week he wanted down south at New Smyrna, but as they look forward to at least a part-time schedule on the Wheel and Modified Tour slate, uh, that's something that Kennedy hopefully is going to be able to have some success in. Yes, I hope. That's the one thing we're looking at here. And I said a couple weeks ago when his deal with Tommy Baldwin was announced, if they could get off to a decent start, Tom, and show a lot of speed, that perhaps that would entice some people to jump on board with them and give them a shot at the full season. We'll have to wait and see how all that shakes out. But winning cures a lot of ales in this business. I've learned that for a long time. Well, it does, and I think that the people involved are significant. I mean, John McKennedy is one of the more popular drivers in the Northeast, particularly in the New England area, and one of the more successful ones, probably one of the more really underheralded drivers, I would argue, and I think I've said that before on this show. And, of course, Tommy Baldwin Jr.'s resume is 
well, many pages long. And, you know, his uh, his popularity and, and their ability together, I think, should make this a very marketable combination. So I agree. I hope that uh, some success in Florida will entice some companies to jump on board with them. We've seen an uptick in companies getting involved with these modified teams over the last two, three years, Kyle. And I I would love nothing better than to see John McKennedy be able to run that car full-time on the tour because I think he would be a championship contender as they say Ryan Priest is going to be, or at least that's what the word was on the Fox broadcast the other day. Apparently, maybe they were able to schedule his uh, Xfinity races around the tour schedule. That would be... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting. I, I know Ryan's going to miss at least two races right now. The opener at Myrtle okay. Beach uh, is going to be one that he's going to miss, and there's a second one in there, uh, which I believe is one of the two Riverhead dates he's definitely going to miss. As of right now, though, those are the only two that he's planning to miss. So uh, we saw this from him last year, uh, missing a couple races and still being in mathematical contention yeah. for that championship Going into the final race, I do think, though, it's going to be a little bit more difficult. Last year, he won a good good chunk of the races that he was in, and he finished in the top three in them. That's what kind of kept him in the title fight. He's going to have to do that same thing uh, if he wants to be a part of the title fight this year. But I think McKennedy and Baldwin, that's a really good pair, uh, pairing. Baldwin's a modified guy that's gone uh, National Series level with the Cup Series, obviously, and, and Danica this weekend. He's involved in that with her final start in NASCAR on the Daytona 500. But to go back to his modified roots and connect with a guy like John McKennedy that's done just about everything there is to be done, tour-type modifieds and been successful. He's won races uh, in the Isma Super Modifieds and been a champion there. I mean, it's just it's the right time, it seems like, for him to go tour racing and give it a shot. Yeah. I would agree. I mean, he's one of these drivers that he's a little too old by current standards to probably make a leap south and, you know, try to climb the ladder. But he's at the perfect age as a seasoned veteran to jump in some equipment like this, this equipment and go out and run for a tour title. I think this is the right time for him. It just is a question of whether or not the resources will allow them to do it. But, you know, we'll see what happens the rest of the week in Florida and see where it goes from there. Yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting to see, you know, the last couple of races here uh, tonight and tomorrow night, the finale on Friday as part of the Richie Evans 100. I know last night they had the uh, the John Bull Memorial 76 on Wednesday. So, I mean, a couple of great races going on down here as part of New Smyrna Speed Weeks and really a great week overall uh, at the New Smyrna Speed Weeks. A lot of interesting things going on there, of course, starting with the K&N East opener that I know you guys had a chance to look at. A great battle there between Todd Gilliland and Harrison Burton, two NASCAR Next drivers that uh, we had to go with. But, you know, to me, the New Smyrna Speed Weeks is one of those great times to just – get everything together, get everybody down there, and get the season going, Tom. And, and again, we've had an opportunity to do that this year. Yeah, we definitely, I mean, in all, really, if you look at New Smyrna in a big picture sense, you know, the Modifieds have been great. The late models have been great. You know, all of that, you know, the K&N series, I mean, all of the stuff that's happened at New Smyrna thus far has been very, very competitive, and I think it just says a lot about you know what can be had when these guys all go back to their respective short tracks and what the season's going to look like. Yeah, I agree, and I think the modified community especially uh, going down there. Of course, the super late models and pro late models have been down there as well, and we've seen guys like Ty Majeski, Stephen Nassie, and Harrison Burton have success in the first couple of nights, but 
this really, really kind of sets the tone for who's going to be fast, I think, in the modifies. Those guys that have been running at the front, like Hirschman and Priest and McKennedy, I do expect to run in the front in the tour-type races up here in New England, not only the tour-type races, but, of course, the NASCAR sanctions races as well. Jacob, uh, and from you, I mean, I know we've been talking back and forth this week as well while I've been down in Florida. A lot of cool things going on and a lot of great opportunities for these drivers to get their season underway. Couldn't have said it better myself. So, you know, you're just looking forward uh, to what's coming up here the next couple of days and, and how the New Smyrna Speed Weeks wraps up. And then, uh, of course, we'll be up into the uh, New England season pretty soon. Of course, the opener for the NASCAR Wheel and Modified Tour slated for the third Saturday in March, which is quickly approaching. And, uh, of course, all the New England tracks getting set to open up as well in April. Of course, the off season uh, kind of doesn't seem like a long off season, but this year it seems even shorter for some reason. We'll be back on the track before long. <laughs> well, shorter for you because you've been bouncing back and forth between uh, your home well, and that's, Florida that's for true. a little bit. Yeah, so uh, that's true. look forward to your coverage this coming weekend for Race Chaser Online at uh, Daytona and obviously continued coverage at New Smyrna as well. And we'll talk to you next Thursday and look forward to uh, recapping everything that went on in the World Series and probably some Daytona chatter as well. Yeah, looking forward to it. Looking forward to be down there, of course, for the Daytona 500 as well. Uh, a lot of cool things going on at Daytona with the Xfinity Series. A lot of new names, new faces oh, yes. moving up from the home tracks realm uh, into the Xfinity Series. A lot of those guys like Priest that we're going to be talking about throughout the year. And then, of course, Sunday. Uh, nothing better, really, than a sunny day as the weather looks like right now in the 60th running of the Daytona 500. Really looking forward to be back there and uh, see how that one shakes out. The Great American Race. And with that, we step aside more of the Stock Car Show coming up around the turn. Presented, as always, by our friends at HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety. You're listening to the Stock Car Show exclusively on the Performance Motorsports Network. You know what really gets a party started? Indoor baseball. Yeah, just find a broom or a pool cue, and you can use, like, anything as a ball. Cans, bottles, shoes. Hey, bro, toss me that avocado. Most party fouls are pretty dumb, but if you decide to drink and drive underage, you could lose your license and your freedom. Underage drinking and driving, the ultimate party foul. Learn more at ultimatepartyfoul.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Automotive technicians and auto service trainees, how would you like to work at the beach and perform for one of the best car care centers in the nation? Lewis Meineke is now looking for skilled automotive technicians to join their award-winning team. If you're a gearhead that knows his or her stuff or a young up-and-comer that has the motivation and drive to succeed, then you need to make this call today, 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center, located in beautiful Lewis, Delaware, offers a highly competitive compensation plan, great benefits, a flexible schedule, and did we mention that you're going to be working at the beach? Plus, there's a signing bonus for the right candidates. Technicians must be ASE certified and have a minimum of six years' experience. Beginners advance at your own pace in one of several entry-level positions. But whatever you do, don't wait. These jobs will go fast. Call Tim at 302-827-2054. That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center. Rev up your career. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, We'll probably stay together. Probably? (laughs) It's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, You should wait 30 minutes. Mm, Okay, (laughs) tell me what to do. Cannonball! 
cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Tyler Reddick, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Welcome back to the Stock Car Show here on the Performance Motorsports Network. As always, the show presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety. You can visit them on the web at hmsmotorsport.com or at either one of their two locations, Danvers, Massachusetts, or right here in Mooresville, North Carolina. And we are going to have someone from HMS on next week's program to talk some safety with us and potentially to break some pretty big news as well. So, with that, we come back, and of course, we've, well, we've got pretty big news. If you're paying attention to the duels, or even if you're not, Duel 1 has just ended. And I got to tell you, I don't know what's the bigger story here. Ryan Blaney winning his first, well, I'm going to call it official race. With It, it's a ra- it pays points. Yes, He's the points first leader. Official it's an race. official race. A first official race with Penske, or... Uh, <laughs> Bubba Wallace nearly stealing the show in his first full-time official race in the Petty Enterprises Chevrolet. Um, Hang on. Oh, I'm sorry. Petty Richard, Petty, Richard Petty Motorsports yeah. Chevrolet. Petty Enterprises <laughs> hasn't existed since Yeah, every once a while in a while, ago. I just drift back to the 70s because it's fun. Um, Bubba, just a phenomenal job on that last lap. Had second, but uh, Joey Logano came back up and spoiled the best friend's party right at the finish line. But wow, was that exciting, Jacob. That uh, that duel, we you know, I think a lot of us thought. I know I was one that the duels would be a little more conservative tonight. But <laughs> judging from duel one, I guess not. Uh, nope. That would be a massive understatement when you consider that we had Jimmy Johnson and Eric Almirola crash on lap nine. William Byron crash after Ricky Stenhouse sucked him around on lap thirty nine. David Gilliland crash with 12 to go after being sucked around again by Ricky Stenhouse or Brad Keselowski crashing after shutting the door on Jamie McMurray who tried to squeeze to the outside down the backstretch and setting up the overtime finish in which Ryan Blaney ended up winning the race. That's five guys who all have to go to backup cars all have to start at the rear of the field for Sunday's Daytona 500, and I would argue all are going to have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder for the rest of the weekend. Well, it's going to be interesting. Now, we should add that the motor on the 48 is being pulled out of the car and being put into the backup car, and a lot of you may ask why. Well, it's because there is a new rule. One of the it, rules it's not that... necessarily a, a. Okay, I know what you're getting at with the engine rule. It's yes. not a. It's not Go the, ahead, the, the engine rule where they only have 13 short block motors, as they call them. Yes, that's new. 
What's not new but is kind of a weird loophole in all of this is the way the previous rule for the Daytona qualifying race versus the 500 and all of that is written. So there's this weird loophole that if you change your motor for the Daytona 500, not only do you start at the back for the 500, you also start at the back next week in Atlanta too. Yeah, which is really interesting. So basically, the principal reason they're changing the motor is to not burn up one of their 13 allowed motors. Um, But also, obviously, the starting spot, he's going to start in the back anyway uh, for the 500. So, um, But he saves his starting spot, I believe, at Atlanta, whatever he gets, because they... Uh, they're keeping the motor that they're running at Daytona. They're just putting it in a different car. So, you know, it's. I don't think this is a big deal. Jimmy will be at the front soon enough, and you know. But it it certainly was interesting. Now, another interesting part of this duel that I just didn't expect is basically the the team, the Alex Bowman team, uh, pretty much the green flag dropped and they ran like frightened field mice and dropped to the back of the pack to avoid any pretense of wrecking the car. I kind of get it, but I don't get it. And I don't like it. Was that, was that a ghostly voice I heard? Uh, Yeah. Chris Murdoch was saying he was good, but here's, here's the problem I have with this. And it's not, I'm not picking on Alex or the 818 because they're not the first ones to do this. But the problem I have with this is that, you know, fans pay money to go see these races. And, and when you watch a race, you don't want to see a team throw a race. That's my problem with this. Um, and then we, I, I, I railed against it when the Gibbs cars threw Talladega a couple of years ago. Just not a big fan of that type of deal. Yep. I think there's a way to fix this. It's simple. Somebody needs to get a million-dollar sponsor. It's a million dollars to win each of the duels, and it's $10,000 apiece to lead a lap. You're still not going to get the pole sitter to race in the duels well, because for the- a million bucks, I don't know about that. Here, here's my issue with that, you know, and, and I thought, you know, when Alex said in the interview, "Oh, I'm just going to hang back and, and keep the car clean," I thought he was going to hang off the pack, not completely drop four seconds off yeah, the lead pack exactly. and sit there, because uh, you, you know playoff points. The, let's not forget this race was for playoff points. Right. So, uh, Ryan points. Blaney and that. Uh, and that, difference. Well, stage points. Uh, but, I mean, Ryan Blaney in that 12 car, already sitting pretty with some stage points. Uh, and, and we know how important those are, and we saw yeah. it last year come into play. So I, mean, I don't it, know why he would just completely throw out a top 10 when he could easily get some, well, something out of it. You know, I, what I hope is now that he goes out and obviously wins the 500 and makes the strategy pay off. Because if he doesn't, then it will, that will, this will have been a giant waste of time. Um, you know, like I said, just not a big fan of, of, of a team throwing a race like that. Uh, and I think, you know, what we saw is is that there is definitely an opportunity for somebody to step up if you can find a company that really wants to make this exciting. Like I said, make it a million dollars to win and, you know, make it 10000 a lap or more to, to lead. And, uh, you know, let's have something really cool uh, that, that entices everybody to race. Anyway, uh, congratulations to Ryan Blaney, winner of Duel 1. Duel 2 will be on the track shortly. We are going to step aside. When we come back, we've got a lightning round and some interesting things to debate and discuss. We'll look forward to that. Throwing the checkered on tonight's stock car show right around the turn. You're listening to this show presented by HMS Motorsport exclusively on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network.
You own a performance car and you know how to drive, but you want to learn real performance driving. Well, Bunky, get that car off the street and onto the track. Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier road racing facility, located just over an hour from D.C. in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, is the place to go. And you'll find that Friday at the track is going to give you what you need. For less than a monthly car payment, you can attend this regularly scheduled one-day instructional event in your street car on one of Summit Point's three world-class road racing circuits. You'll receive classroom instruction, skid pad instruction in their cars, including front and rear skid control, and four 20-minute in-your-car instructional sessions from a professional instructor. Have fun, go fast, and really learn how to drive. Call 304-725-8444 for class schedules and details. That's 304-725-8444. Friday at the track at Summit Point Motorsports Park. Green light. Hey, girl. School zone. I'm getting hungry. Car changing lanes. You want to meet me for pizza? Stop sign. Intersection clear. Yeah, street. Pizza sounds good. Ball in street? Girl in street! (gasps) It's hard to concentrate on two things at once, like texting and driving. Stop the text. Stop the wrecks. How will you stop texting and driving? Tell us at stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Here's an important message from Rad and this station. Hi, this is Bob Sheehan from Blues Traveler for Rad, recording artists against drunk driving. I like to party just as much as the next guy, maybe even more. But the one thing I won't do after I've had a few is get in the car and drive. Don't blow it. Always choose a designated driver. Remember, music lives and so should you. Automotive technicians and auto service trainees, how would you like to work at the beach and perform for one of the best car care centers in the nation? Lewis Meineke is now looking for skilled automotive technicians to join their award-winning team. If you're a gearhead that knows his or her stuff or a young up-and-comer that has the motivation and drive to succeed, then you need to make this call today, 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center, located in beautiful Lewis, Delaware, offers a highly competitive compensation plan, great benefits, a flexible schedule, and did we mention that you're going to be working at the beach? Plus, there's a signing bonus for the right candidates. Technicians must be ASE certified and have a minimum of six years' experience. Beginners advance at your own pace in one of several entry-level positions. But whatever you do, don't wait. These jobs will go fast. Call Tim at 302-827-2054. That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center. Rev up your career. Hi, I'm Ben Rhodes, and you're listening to the Performance Motorsports Network, the voice of motorsports. Welcome back to the Stock Car Show here on the Performance Motorsports Network. Tom Baker, Jacob Seelman, Cisco Scaramuza, and Chris Murdoch finishing up the show tonight with our lightning round, as always. Uh, and, of course, we do this show live on Thursday nights. We are between Can-Am duels at Daytona as we wrap this up. Duel number two will be coming up shortly. We will be off the air with our live show before that happens most likely so we start our lightning round and actually we're going to spend the majority of the lightning round doing a little toss-up here tonight and for that of course we have to bring in our esteemed producer bill holt from the carolina school of broadcasting Uh bill what do you got for us well gentlemen i've got a few questions and beginning with question number one 
60 years of Daytona. Give us your favorite Daytona 500 moment. This is going to sound really, really, really cheesy, but honestly, because it's my favorite team and because it was just so unexpected, I literally cried when it was over. Definitely not because you actually picked the winner. 2011, Cinderella's (laughs) glass slipper Trevor Bain wins the Daytona 500 just because it was the miracle that actually happened. Well, fair enough. Okay, that's a, definitely a great moment and one of my favorites, too. Cisco, you are next. Favorite I'm Daytona 500 moment. I'm on that. Nope, nope, nope. I, hey, he said I was first in the order. Mine. Yeah. Okay, so favorite 500 moment that was in 2011. Um, I'm going to say Juan Montoya hitting the jet dryer. <laughs> You would, Cisco. You would pull that one. I got my main moment stolen, so I had to just go to the next thing that popped in my head. And that's the next thing that popped in my head. So why not hitting the jet drive? Oh, boy. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Okay. Chris, your next favorite 500 moment. Uh, I I don't really know how to follow that one up because that was something. Uh, but I will have Jacob back. There was there was no order put up in the to- the chat, Tom. So yes, there was. I'm, I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> yeah, there was. Can confirm. I uh, see it. I didn't see it. Stop so, arguing uh, and answer the question. I, I scrolled up. I scrolled up through. Uh, so answer I'll the question, say, Chris. Um, 2015 Daytona 500. Uh, because that was Joey Logano's win. Okay, and you're a Joey Logano fan. All right, you're not biased or anything. Okay, my favorite moment actually is polar opposite of what i would be biased toward and i i really say this because to me it was probably the most poignant moment in the entire 60 years of the race 1998 i knew you were going there and i also know why you're going there you know why every man on On every every crew crew. and oh by the way today is the 20 year anniversary of that yep, race. Exactly. And I really just, as much as I honestly, and I'm being very honest with the audience here, I was not a Dale Earnhardt fan as a driver at all. Didn't like his style, had no respect for him as a racer, plenty of respect for him off the track and and, and more so now. But um, that moment to me defines the Daytona 500 um, in a nutshell. And so that's my answer on that one. Next question. Next question, gentlemen. 30 years of Roush racing. Give us your favorite Roush moment. Jacob. Ooh, wow. Wow. I'm going to go with their 250th Cup win which I believe was Matt Kenseth's second Daytona 500 victory, which coincidentally, Cisco, happened during the same race that you uh, offered your favorite 500 moment, I believe, because that was the infamous uh, jet dryer delay. The long one at nine. Yeah, yeah in right. 2000. No, no, it would have been was it? 12. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no! Oh, Kenseth's, Kenseth's first 500 win was the rain. I thought. 
Yeah, I think I think that's I think that's how it goes. We'll have to double check racing reference after this one. Yeah. Um but, but no, uh no, Roush getting their 250th win in the Daytona 500 was it for me. Okay. Cisco. I was originally just going to follow up and say uh never mind, I'm not going to even go there. The Iowa drivers running into each other, but <laughs> I, I, I that that would have been good. Yeah. That was but, a moment. What I'm going to go with is 99 v 48 Atlanta. Ooh, that yeah, Edwards' first win. I yeah. like that one. Yep. Yeah, yep. that's good. Chris? Um, this kind of has really nothing to do with the history of Roush, but it's kind of important to me because uh, it was the first all-star race I ever went to, but it was Carl Edwards winning the all-star race and then kind of junking his and, car. And then the hitting the manhole <laughs> cover. Yeah, yeah. They didn't have to take the car post-race. No, yeah, they didn't. Saying. I set turn three in that race, and by far one of the funniest moments, I think, because I laughed when he went up in the air and landed. Okay, my favorite Roush moment actually has nothing to do with on the track. It has to do with the opportunity that I had, and this was back with the, I would call it the original Roush lineup, Um or semi-original Kurt Busch was still in the 97 at the time. Yeah. Um, and I had a chance to tour the shop and I actually had the chance to meet Jack Roush and shake his hand. And I met a couple of the crew chiefs. Jimmy Fennig is the one that really sticks out to me as being truly one of the nicest gentlemen in the sport. And I really enjoyed that opportunity to see what was going on behind the scenes at that time. And very gracious of uh, Jack and the guys to allow uh, the few of us that were there to, to tour the shop and actually get a real behind the scenes tour. Next question. Pick a winner for Friday night's Camping World Truck Race, Jacob. Ha, 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 ha. Do you have a hat that I can draw a name out of, Bill? Sure, absolutely. I've got one on my head you can use. Uh, you, you, you're going to have to tear up some scrap paper for me. <sighs> I've learned from past years that, that unless Todd Bodine's in the field, you really can't pick a winner for this race. But <laughs> if I must... There's some truth in that. If I must, I'm going to go with the guy in the field that has started a fair share of Daytona 500s, whose son will be driving the truck that he is going to drive later in the year. And, well, it's just cool to see him back in pedigree colors, and I would like to see it happen. David Gilliland in the only Kyle Busch Motorsports truck using the spec engine. I believe in the spec motor. Sorry, Toyota. This is the way of the future, and David Gilliland's going to be the first guy to give the Ilmore a victory in NASCAR. Okay. I would appreciate it. I would appreciate you not stealing my ideas, please, because that's twice tonight where you've stolen my pick. <laughs> if you two get are over on the it. same page, that's even scarier than Jacob and I on the same page. Uh, so, Cisco, are you going with Gilliland as well? Um, I will officially go with Gilliland. But in order so I don't just repeat what Jacob says, I do want to also throw out a dark horse pick because I talked to him, so I can therefore pick him. Number 15 of Robbie Lyons making his first start has been a huge part of us on Friday nights on LSR TV. We've gotten to see him learn how to plate race on iRacing. So I'm just going to give a shout out to him. I say, hey, why not? Jay Robinson is very excited about their Ilmore motor and thinks they're going to have a shot to get a top 10 this week. 
That is definitely a dark horse pick, but wow, it, 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 you look, anything can happen at Daytona, right? That would be awesome to see Robbie get it done. Chris, you're up. Well, you know, it, it's like Jacob said, pick a, pick a number out of a hat. So my number is going to be the 98, Grant Infinger. Or Grant 10 He was fastest earlier, earlier, today. earlier today. He was fastest earlier today. Okay, so Chris is going with a four-sport truck. As am I, by the way. You're picking Ben Rhodes. I am picking Ben Rhodes to win the race on Friday night. Anytime you pick a Thor Sport truck, you pick Ben Rhodes. Not always. A lot of times in these tracks, it's crafting. But here's why I'm picking Ben Rhodes. Number one, he's no longer a rookie. He's a seasoned veteran now. Number two, he knows what it feels like to be in the playoffs. Number three, I think he's loaded for bear this year. When I talked to him at media tour, he really seemed like he was ready to get out and get after it. And I think Thor sport is going to be a, a a surprisingly competitive team under the ford banner i say ben rhodes gets it done but you're basically right you can pretty much flip a coin on this and on our next question final question is, gentlemen pick a winner for saturday's xfinity series race jacob by the way since i know uh he wrote the sheet and didn't include the daytona 500 i'm gonna give we did both. that on monday i i know that but i'm still gonna remind people of my of my 500 that's pick. fine so kids my Xfinity race pick is going to be the same guy that I believe is going to win the championship when all is said and done at the end of this year, and he's going to win the race because he's in the best cars in the field. Joe Gibbs Racing are the kings of the Xfinity series, and Christopher Bell is going to be the new crown prince. Okay, so you're going to say Christopher Bell is going to win on Saturday. That is correct, and I'm reminding everybody that I picked Jimmy Johnson to win the Daytona Okay, 500. that's what I was waiting for. Okay, uh, Cisco, you're up next. Well, I know Jacob's not going to steal this one because he hates the fact that this exists. I'm going to pick an invader <laughs> to win on Saturday. I'm picking Chase Elliott in the 88. And then for my 500 pick, since I didn't get to make it on Monday... Wait. After what I saw on track, and because I have that distinct advantage, you know what? I said I wasn't going to pick him in chat. You know what? I am going to pick him. Daryl Wallace Jr., 43. So did I miss a memo that they added the 88 to the entry list or something? Because uh, that wasn't I'm on J-Ski right now, and it uh, shows him on there. Interesting. That uh, interesting. I'll throw this note out there that that was not originally in the plan, at least as far as I know. Okay. Uh, like Chris. Uh, well, I'm also going to go with an invader, uh, because, uh, Jacob likes to say that Joe Gibbs was, are, are the kings of the Xfinity series. Well, I like to say Penske Racing has something to say about that. If you saw them in the Cup Series, they're just as good in the Xfinity series. Tom, you're going to call me biased, but the 22 of Joe Logano. No, you're not biased or anything. You're just hopeful. Uh, but my 500 pick, since I didn't make to make it on Monday. It's Joey Logano. Oh, wait. Bush. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, wow. Interesting. Former teammate of the above mentioned, Joey Logano. Okay. I'm going to wrap this up real quick. The Xfinity series. I'm going with a slightly upset special car could win driver. Maybe not be one of the favorites. I'm picking him. Brandon Jones. That's not an upset. Wins the Xfinity it's a Gibbs car. It, I'm just saying the, the driver would be an upset pick. You would normally pick him. Brandon Jones wins the Xfinity car, and uh, I picked Alex Bowman to win the 500, and I still believe that. Okay, fair enough. And, Jacob, that closes it up for us. All right, folks, we're out of here. Dual 2, FS1. Oh, by the way, 
Checkered flag on this edition of the Sock Car Show. Thanks to Mike Garrity, Megan Kolb, and our social media partners at 3 Wide Life, as well as Bob Steele, Susan Mason, Bill Holt from the Carolina School of Broadcast, and all the folks at PMN that make this show possible. For Tom Baker, Cisco Scaramuza, Chris Murdoch, and all the rest of our staff at RacechaserOnline.com, I'm Jacob Seelman reminding you to keep it off the wall, and we might just see you at the racetrack. Folks, have a safe racing weekend. Good night. You've been listening to the Stock Car Show on the Performance Motorsports Network. Stay tuned to Performance Motorsports Network for more race talk. For the latest motorsports news, visit racechaseronline.com. The Stock Car Show is a copyrighted production of the Performance Motorsports Network. www.performancemotorsportsnetwork.com. A member of the Scorpion Radio Group Incorporated. And may not be rebroadcast, replicated, or saved in any media without the explicit written permission of PMN. Check out our Facebook page or our section on the PMN website. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the host, co-host, and guests, and do not necessarily reflect those of the management and ownership of either the Performance Motorsports Network or Scorpion Radio Group Incorporated, the advertisers, or the marketing partners. Be listening again next week when the Stock Car Show returns on Thursday night at 7 Eastern. Until then, stay tuned for more great motorsports programming on the Performance Motorsports Network.